Welcome back to the Policy Viz podcast. I'm your host, John Schwabish. Welcome back to the show. On this week's episode, we are going to talk about a new book, The Big Book of Dashboards, Visualizing Your Data Using Real-World Business Solutions. If you haven't checked it out, you certainly should. And I'm very happy to have two of the three authors with me today, Steve Wexler and Jeff Schaefer. Andy Cockreave, the third author, is unavailable today, but I have two. I have the first two authors, which is really what matters, Steve and Jeff. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be with you, John. How are you guys doing? Okay? Absolutely. Delighted to be here, and uh, we get to make fun of Andy, and he has no defense. That's right. He has no defense. He's stuck in meetings all day. So, uh, so we, we, we'll, we'll take some hot shots at him while we uh, go. At last, we've got him just now. where we want him. <laughs> After Now, how long did it take the three of you to write this book? Um, all told, it's been a little over two years. Um, okay. Probably about two years was the whole gestation period of it. Elephants seems were that starting to feel sorry for us. <laughs> it's about the right amount of time. So after two years, we can finally talk about Andy when he's not here. So let's start. I want to introduce each of you to the audience in case they, they're not familiar with your background and, and what you're all doing. And maybe you could each talk about yourself for just a minute or two, and then, and then we'll talk about the book. So um, on today's show, we have Steve Wexler, who's the founder and principal of Data Revelations, a uh, data visualization consulting firm, and Jeff Schaefer, who's the VP of IT and Analytics at Unifund. And Jeff and I have actually uh, taught together in Baltimore. We've done a couple of workshops together, so we've known each other for a while. So, Steve, why don't we have you start? If you could talk a little bit about your background, how you got into data visualization, the sort of work you're doing now. Um, and then, Jeff, why don't you take a turn, and then uh, we'll dive right into this great new big book of dashboards. Sure. This is Steve. And uh, as with most things in my career, I got into this accidentally. My background and training was as a musician. Um, but I also had an interest in technology and computers. I ran a software company for around 20 years. Then I took my first full-time job working for an organization called the eLearning Guild. They are an organization passionate about using technology to help people learn and perform better. And I came on board as their director of research and emerging technology. And I came in with the idea of instead of printing static reports, why don't we make these interactive dashboards and people could discover for themselves and filter the results of the survey questions. The organization had tens of thousands of users. So you could survey people and say what works, what doesn't, what tools do you like, what don't you like, etc. and came in with this idea now 11 years ago to do these things. And they said, wow, that sounds great. What tool do you want to use? And I said, well, I don't know. Let's, uh, let's see what's out there. And then tested a bunch of tools and found one that I, I loved and still love, and that's Tableau, and kind of got into data visualization accidentally as part of this gig about 11 years ago. Hmm. Um, so like almost everybody coming at it accidentally, uh, Jeff, what about you? What's your path to getting to the big book of dashboards? Well, Stephen, I have one thing in common there, which we were uh, we were both musicians. I was a musician in, in a former life and uh, moved into the business world. I've been in the uh, financial services industry now about 22 years, uh, so I've been doing that and really focused on IT and analytics for most of that time and was doing data visualization as part of the work here at my company. And uh, I guess I sort of Fell into it accidentally as well. I was I was doing some presentations on some work uh, of what our company uh, was doing, and the head of a department at the University of Cincinnati happened to be in attendance, and uh, about six or seven years ago now, 
asked me to build out a data visualization course for the university and uh, been kind of doing that ever since. So I'm, I'm now adjunct uh, at the University of Cincinnati teaching data visualization. And uh, like uh, Steve, I do a lot of Tableau work uh, and it's uh, it's been a fun ride. Great. So new book, big book of dashboards. Um, I want to talk about a, a number of different things, but I want to start by uh, defining a dashboard, um, which I'm going to guess was probably a lot of conversation amongst the three of you. But let me read the big definition here on uh, page 14. Well, Roman numeral 14, so everybody knows that's right at the beginning of the book. So um, the definition here is a dashboard is a visual display of data used to monitor conditions and or facilitate understanding. Can you guys talk a little bit about that definition and how you view dashboards? Because I think that definition in some way can sort of encompass all visualizations and all visualization types. But I'm curious how you think about it as it applies to the idea of a dashboard. That's a great question. I'll, I'll jump in first there. It, it was um, a long topic. Uh, and way back before we were doing any writing in the book, uh, I was exchanging some emails with uh, with Stephen Few, and that was one of the things that that he stressed to me uh, in this ad- adventure is that we really need to think about what that dashboard is, that dashboard definition, because as we move forward, that's really you know sort of pivotal, you know foundational, I guess, to what what you're going to have in the book and what you're going to call a, a dashboard. And so. Uh, you know, we did a lot of soul searching on that one. We did a lot of definitional searching. Um, for example, you know, Steve's definition was uh, really focused on a single computer screen and monitored at a glance. So we really kind of talked about that. Does it have to be monitored as a glance? Does it have to be on a single computer screen? If the fact that it's printed out into a PDF, does that not make it a dashboard anymore? Uh, which Stephen Few would say once it's printed to a PDF, it, it's not a dashboard anymore. So we really talked a lot about that and thought about that. And so we, we, we intentionally came up with a broad definition, thinking that a dashboard to us could be any number of things that is broadly related to data visualization. I, I think there's some things in the data visualization field that go beyond that when we start talking about you know more advanced visualizations like network graphs and things that, that show uh, that, that aren't necessarily, you know, used in a day-to-day uh, business environment. But I, I think you'll get a sense, John, as you've seen some of the dashboards in the book, um, that it is a pretty broad definition. Yeah, I'll add my two cents to that, which is we went through this whole process. We at one point defined what an interactive dashboard is, what a static dashboard is, and so much time was being spent on trying to define the thing, and we realized Our focus is if you have this particular business predicament, this problem, this challenge, here is the collection, here is the chart or collection of charts that when logically assembled together will shine good light on that particular business problem or scenario. And we didn't want to get into the whole issue of, well, that's a static dashboard, that's a dynamic dashboard, that's interactive. It was, you got this problem. Here is how other people have solved it and have solved it effectively, and this is why this collection works well and why other things that you might be tempted to try maybe don't work so well. Now, in your experience in working with people in the business community who are making dashboards, what do you find is the most common type of dashboard? Is it the interactive dashboard, and is it a type of interactive dashboard that uh, is more of a presentation type thing or one in which 
you know, me and my few colleagues sit around the computer and dive down? Or is it more of the static PDF type? So there's a list here of the sort of things and uh, that might be considered a dashboard, and one of them is a PDF showing key measures. So in your experience, where do people end up along this sort of, you know, spectrum, as it will, of different types of dashboards uh, of interactive to static to things that allow you to explore to things that are that are explaining uh, a result or analysis? In, in my world, it's it's all of the above that you mentioned, John. I, I have, um, I, I would say, uh, and I'm speaking in generalities, of course, but in, in my experience, you know, I will never get the accounting department and attorneys off of paper. So it's just the nature of what they do. So when, when that comes up, things are often printed. Their dashboards for compliance are often printed. And yet when we go into a monthly compliance meeting, we'll try to put it up on a screen, we'll interact with it, we'll have a discussion around it, we'll filter it by a state or by a certain you know complaint type. Um, and this is one of the dashboards that was featured in the book. We use that dashboard at a regular meeting on a monthly basis, and so there is interaction around it. But it can also be printed and handed to somebody, and it works, you know, in that format as well and was intended to do that. So in my experience, we have dashboards that fit all of those definitions. Completely agree and runs the entire gamut. And you may use the interactive dashboards to find where the most interesting things are, and then you may copy and paste those things into a PowerPoint and share that with, with other people. One thing, Jonathan, that I got from your book is know your audience, and in our case, not just know your audience, but um, meet with your audience and find out how they're going to use it, what they look at, how they interpret, and hone what you're doing to meet those needs. Do you find that a lot of people forget their audience when they're making dashboards, that they're working with the data and they're making something for themselves to understand their data, and then they bring it somewhere else and they have forgotten the audience or the person they're sharing it with doesn't know anything about the topic? Or perhaps it lines up a little better because it's, it, the first thought is about exploration. You've got to know who's going to be using this thing and constantly be thinking, is this going to help my audience do what they need to do? Otherwise, you're, you're building something for yourself and not, not for your audience. Um, mm. Someone asked, you know, what's it like having two other authors on this thing and did you get into big disagreements and, and, and the debates and disagreements were, they were wonderful. They were enlightening. They were enthralling. But it wasn't like we were having artistic differences. We're not trying to make art here, per se. Everything was about, am I making this thing as clear as it needs to be? So I miss having Jeff and Andy when I'm doing my practice, when I'm building things, when I'm trying to make interactive dashboards, I want the feedback. I want to know, is this thing as clear as I want it to be? And is it making sense to you? So as you went through, so, so there's a lot of, there's a huge collection of different dashboards in here. And I want to, I want to talk about those in a moment, but were there certain ones where the three of you uh, really disagreed on things where, you know, I know Andy Cockreave really loves 3D exploding pie charts. Um, now he's not here, so we're allowed to make fun of him. Um, so, are, were there certain dashboards or certain approaches that you all didn't see eye to eye on? I would say that uh, no. I think we had. It was interesting because any dashboard that was not created by us, we would set up a call with the designers of those dashboards and kind of and, and go over it in detail. 
Uh, and then we would almost always have some suggestions. You'd see something and say, wow, this is a really great dashboard, but can we really put that in the book with, with this donut chart? Or, um, you know, that, that's kind of an extreme example, but maybe the color is, should be changed or maybe something is, is not as clear to us. And so there were more often than not minor adjustments made to some of those dashboards, and we would all provide feedback into that. It wasn't, you know, Steve didn't jump on a call by himself and go down that process. We did it in collaboration. And I think that's what Steve was alluding to, that we learned a lot from each other in in doing that process from our own designs. We put ourselves through that. You know, nothing Mm -hmm. that I created was put in the book without them looking at it and critiquing it and and vice versa. So it was, uh, it was really a great experience there. So talk a little bit about the uh, types of dashboards that are in here and the balance between the dashboards that that the three of you created versus the ones that were created by outside uh, folks. Did you, you know, how did you solicit those? You've already talked about sitting down with the author and talking about it, but talk a little bit about the, the collection of dashboards and where they came from and how you went through the process of evaluating them. Jeff, I'll take this just because Jeff's kind of a hero of this story. Initially, my idea for this was, well, we're going to build all of them. We're going to come up with common scenarios that we've run into, and we're going to build all the dashboards. And I'm so glad we didn't go down that route. And it was Jeff who said, why don't we get other people to submit their work? Because they're fantastic uh, approaches and ideas that the three of us may not have considered. So for me, there were certain things that I'd just been seeing a lot that my clients and my students were were having trouble with, and I wanted to make sure that we addressed it. Uh, an example is showing churn or and, and turnover in an organization with whether it's employee turnover for HR or subscribers, and I've seen a lot of people struggling with that, uh, or people who were trying to automate the creation of a balanced scorecard type of thing, and I just wanted to say, oh my gosh, if you're going to get into using a whole new tool and want to automate this, why not make a much better uh, collection of charts that, that's better than that red, yellow, green mess that you were doing before? Um, so of the 28 dashboards, yeah, a hunk of them were done by us, and then there I don't know how many we got all told, um, probably somewhere between 60 and 70. Um, some of them just didn't make the cut. Some of them were similar. Uh, so it didn't make sense to include it, and there were some great ones, and, and, and Jeff suffered some slings and arrows with this that, that he helped nurture along, and then the organization uh, didn't get permission to include them in the book, and I was really sorry to see them those missing there. But the real masterstroke was, let's get the community to submit dashboards, and, and we very much wanted the community to be you know, the widespread data visualization community. So we contacted people in the Excel world, the Dundas world, the Power BI world, the Spotfire world, the Click world, and and obviously, and of course, the Tableau world. Can you talk a little bit about the tools that people are using to create dashboards and um, when it comes to these different types of static versus interactive, are um, people using different tools for each of those different types of visualizations, or is it I'm going to make an interactive visualization in Tableau, um, and then I'm going to save it out as a PDF, and it really doesn't matter in terms of whether it's going to be static or interactive. I'm going to use this tool for both of those types of visualizations. 
I think that's important, and that even goes back to the to when, what Steve said in the definitional. You know, when we were looking at an interactive dashboard versus a static dashboard, I think these tools have really changed that for us. We that didn't used to be the case, where you didn't have the ability to to move data around like you do today, where you can drop a drop down filter for state or for region uh, or for segment or whatever it is and even do ad hoc on the fly uh, in meetings. I've done this where, you know, the report is done by state and all of a sudden you want to see it by category type or something and you can make a quick adjustment to your visualization without having to go back through the iteration process, send it back through IT. You can open up the viz, make a quick adjustment, and now you have an interactive viz based on a category type. And so I would say that's, that's fundamentally changed the way that we visualize that data. The flip side is I've been in a meeting, you know, not too long ago, uh, and I and I think I emailed Andy and Steve the same day where you know that complaints dashboard was pulled up in my company where we could have put it on this flat screen, you know, touch screen TV that we have in in our in our big conference room, um, but the person conducting the meeting came in and had literally printed out every page of every drop-down selection so that you know you had interactivity on paper. So okay, you want to see the fourth drop-down box? You you know flop through four pages and and it was just frustrating because you go to the effort of building something that's interactive for those mm-hmm. purposes that you could save paper you can interact and be more fluid in the analysis and yet you know people still fundamentally will print mm-hmm. do you think that's because it's sort of what we're used to is working in the print world you know maybe not younger people but those of us who are old enough that you know we're used to living in the print world uh and that it it takes a, a sort of culture change uh, aside from the obviously the need to have a tablet or a computer in front of you, because I see this all the time. I have the same experience. So, so what do you think is the reason why we're not seeing that change, or we're still printing out infographics, or like you said, we're printing out all the different drop-down options instead of saying, okay, we're going to come up with a, a digital solution to this? Yeah, I think it is a, a culture shift, and you know, our organization as a whole here is a is a very IT analytics uh, centered culture. So I, I think it's it's probably a little easier for us than even other places. But things that we've done is to say, hey, look what we can do with this interactivity. I mean, put it up on a board, and with a touch screen, I can press on this you know this this state, and it'll filter by state, or I can select this category, and it'll filter by category. And being able to be in the flow of that analysis, you know, we use Tableau here at our organization, being able to do that quickly on the fly, uh, then light bulbs sort of go off, right? Because you can do something that you just can't do on paper. You can move quickly and, and be in the flow where, where you just can't do that with a piece of paper. Jonathan, I think in a presentation, if you're going to be attending this thing, you want the presenter to have curated the findings ahead of time, which is, mm-hmm. you know, the, the um, um, Cole uses the um, metaphor of um, shucking clams or oysters to find the pearls, and you don't want to show everybody, you know, all these shells that you've shucked. You want to show them the pearls, and that's great. Right. And you know, here are these things. But if in the middle of the meeting someone says, "Well, hey, you know, I want to see this thing or that thing or this thing that you didn't bring up in this um, in your carefully honed and, and curated presentation." Having the interactive dashboard, Jeff alluded to it, which is, oh, I don't want to see it by this category. I want to see it by that category because mm-hmm. something just came up in the news or in our right. business, and I'd like to see what's going on there. And to be able to do that instantly and dynamically, it's fantastic. So I, I'm seeing you – know, I've now been dealing with dashboards for over 10 years, 
And I'm frustrated that we're still seeing the PDFs or copying into PowerPoint, but I'm seeing a mm. lot more interactivity in the last two years than I was seeing before that. So I'm, I'm certainly encouraged. Do you find that people who are, they, they do have the opportunity, they do have the culture behind them and the organization behind them to have dashboards, do you find that they offer too many options, too many drop-downs, too many selectors, um, or are people more selective about what they allow the user to do? The people who are more experienced or more selective? as opposed to, well, here, you can just filter by every single thing, and then it's just, I, I'm overwhelmed by this. I had a, a, a good story recently where I was working with a, a, a large hospital uh, group in, in the Cincinnati area, and one of their reports, they had they, they just had this completely filled with drop-down boxes for selection, and they really wanted all of that stuff. They said, we really want the ability to not have to create all of these different reports, and we need all of these selection boxes. And so we worked together and said, okay, well, let's have a selection menu where you can go in on the front end and pick your selections and then see your visualization so that your visualization isn't cluttered with, you know, literally this half a page of drop-down boxes, and you don't have any room to show any of the data. So I've seen, you know, I think the future will hold collapsible menus and things like that that we've started to see in Tableau. Somebody's built that out, and I'm sure we'll see more of that in the in the future. But I think the technology will help us in that respect, where we, if we really need to see that level of detail, we don't have to clutter the, the dashboard with it. Exactly, or things that are pre-filtered or preset based on a user profile. So, oh, this is great. It has exactly what is meaningful to me. But if I want to explore outside of what you think is meaningful to me, I can do so. Yeah, I think it, in my experience with seeing people who you know bring dashboards in and they're and they're showing things, I, I find that I either end up on one end of a spectrum or another, where it's either a PDF report, it's it's basically a snapshot, and I can't drill down. Um, so it's basically the PDF, or it's, it's essentially an infographic, which is fine. Um, or they go to the totally other end, which is basically the story you just told, Jeff, which is they give me every possible conceivable option where it seems like a good dashboard lies somewhere in the middle. The creator is guiding you at, to some point and then allowing you to go a little bit further. Yeah, I would. I mean, in general, I would agree with that. I, I guess, you know, there mm -hmm. certainly are instances where, I, you know, in this in this healthcare example that I that I gave, if they really do need all that data and or at least all the drop downs to change the data for so many different things, maybe there's different people that are looking at it. Maybe it's an enterprise level, you know, report that so many people need to see, but they all need to see it for a different reason or for a different area, mm -hmm. a different state, a different doctor, whatever it is. Um, I think there's ways that we can give them that through some of the things that you know Steve mentioned, whether it's user profiles or collapsible you know menus uh, or auto filling things um, based on on who you know the user is. Uh, all of those things could be you know could help in that situation to wean that down. Mm -hmm. Jonathan, there's a good example in the book that tackles this. Uh, Robert Roos's um, multiple KPI dashboard dealing with a huge organization that had all these different departments that had all these different needs, and they all had their separate KPIs and wanted to devise a way that would allow each department or sub-department or sub-sub-department to focus in on the things that were important without making this overwhelming monstrosity, as well as not creating uh, 150 separate dashboards, all of which had very similar type of functionality. And mm. He came up with a pretty elegant way of handling this, which 
where, gee, I don't feel overwhelmed, yet this is meeting a lot of different needs. And his collapsible uh, menu is actually used on another dashboard in the book, the uh, the workman's compensation dashboard, where there's a little button off to the left-hand side, and it collapses the whole left side of the dashboard menu uh, so that all of the drop-downs uh, that are available, all of the options are, are hidden. Interesting, interesting. Okay, so before we sign off, um, I want to ask each of you, uh, and I'll maybe I'm guessing there's going to be some overlap here, but what are the top three things people should keep in mind when they're building their own dashboards? Um, Jeff, why don't, we, why don't we start with you? So top three things people should keep in mind. Well, first I would say the right chart for the, the data that they're trying to show. I see a lot of misuse where somebody's showing uh, time series data and using, you know, something that isn't appropriate for time. And, and you know, it's interesting because there's a whole chapter devoted to the many, many different ways that you could show time. Um, so trying to show something with the with the incorrect uh, chart type. Um, the next one I would say is, is use of color. Uh, I just find in data visualization in general, and especially in dashboard design, people using color incorrectly. And so we, we have a lot devoted to color whether that be how to encode data when you're using a sequential color scheme to encode a, a measure versus a categorical color scheme to encode a dimension, um, something as simple as that, or whether it gets more complex for dealing with colorblind friendly palettes, which, which we have a number of chapters and discussions in the, in the book on, on alternative palettes and things that you can do there. Uh, and then I guess the, the last one, number three, would, would be something just in, in studying and doing work on my own as I, as I emulate others that I, I like in their design, um, the use of, of, of white space and just being able to give your visualizations room to breathe. I would say as we went through most of our visualizations, a lot of it was decluttering exercises, just giving the, the dashboards a little bit more room uh, whether that be removing some things that weren't there that didn't need to be there, or whether it's just redesigning things that are all there in a in a, in a better way to give the the dashboard a little bit more room and don't don't feel cluttered, those would probably be my top picks. Nice. All right, Steve, your turn. Top three. It's, it's, yeah, it's, there's there's a fair amount of overlap. Uh, certainly, the right chart <laughs> and color. Um, uh, I've looked through all the dashboards and. Almost all of them only have two or three colors, and I had just seen some stuff out in the wild and some people making a presentation, and it was just some abominations with the misuse and overuse of color. Um, the, the thing that I might swap out for the white space, although design and clarity and something that just is is comfortable to look at, it would come from, from this, which is get feedback and iterate. Um, the number of iterations these things went through, certainly the dashboards I, I was building, and I had two great collaborators to give feedback, but also I had to show it to other people as well. And, hey, this isn't clear to this person. It's really clear to me, but it's not clear to my audience. What do I need to do so that they get it? So iteration and feedback. Um, you know, I would say I don't know which of Jeff's I would swap out, but I, I agree with, with all three of them. Mm-hmm. But I'd, I'd I'd add that fourth. There there All we right, go. Well, I think the top four yeah, things I, you I, need. I think we've got a top four thing, and we'll we'll hold on uh, to the fifth one for Andy. Andy can Andy can chime in some other time, and he can give us the top five. Um, Andy will say no screaming cats. Oh right. Yeah, we can imagine. No, no, you'll see. You know, you see them throughout the book. 
I've looked at too many of these books on data visualization, and I'm looking at a chart and wondering, does the author think I should make that, or is that something that I should avoid at all costs? And you have to spend two <laughs> or three minutes to read the thing to realize, oh, that's an avoid at all costs. So we have a, right. an icon next to the avoid at all costs, which we call the screaming cat. Screaming cat. So I would trust that when the audio book comes out, we'll have a screaming cat audio uh, screech that will show up in there. So. Yes, we will be auditioning uh, people to do this, the screaming cat. <laughs> so there you go, folks. If, you, uh, if you're looking for some freelance work, you can call Jeff and Steve and Andy to audition for the screaming cat for the audio version of the big book of dashboard. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Steve Wexler, Jeff Schaefer, thanks so much for coming on the show. This has been uh, really interesting. Thanks a lot. Thank, Thank you, John. you so much, Jonathan. It's been a pleasure. And thanks to everyone else for tuning in to this week's episode. If you have uh, questions or comments about the show, please let me know. And, of course, do check out the Big Book of Dashboards. Uh, The link is on the show notes page. So until next time, this has been the Policy Biz Podcast. Thanks so much for listening.